welcome to the Career Medis Podcast. I'm your host, Nisar Ahmed. I'm the founder and editor of the blog, careermedis.com. And this is episode 11 of the Career Medis Podcast. And this episode is part of the expert series. And for today's expert series episode, I'm interviewing Danny Rubin. And here's my introduction of Danny. And in a bit, I'll ask him to also add more and uh, introduce himself. But Here's an introduction I have so the audience knows who Danny is. So Danny Rubin is a communications expert and author of the book, Wait, How Do I Write This Email? A collection of 100 plus templates for networking, job search. Danny believes improved writing skills can unlock doors and start conversations that may transform your career. Danny's book is used by high school and college educators workforce workforce development professionals, and even officials at the Pentagon who want to teach effective writing skills to active duty military. Danny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. I, I think that's uh, your bio. It keeps me very curious. Um, I do want to spend a lot of the time during this interview talking about writing skills, but I also wanted to hear from you if you can quickly introduce yourself, uh, little, uh, your own version at the same time also where you're from so that we all get uh, a good understanding of who Danny is. Sure. Well, I I live in Virginia. I have spent my career, I'm 32, so since college, the last 10 years, I've worked in the communications field. I, I started my career as a TV news reporter. And I worked for a, an affiliate of CBS, if you're familiar in the United States, CBS, the mm-hmm. affiliate in Virginia. So I covered local news. And then I worked as a, a consultant helping newspapers and TV stations with uh, audience strategies and developing content that would really rea- you know, land well with the audience and entertain. And then now I work in public relations where I help clients often – pitch the press to have their stories covered on the news. So I've worked in and around communications, journalism, PR for 10 years. And out of all that work, I decided to start my own blog actually four years ago this month, this July. And the blog was initially a way to kind of, it still is, I still maintain it. It's called News to Live By. It's within my website. And I look for the career advice in the in the news headlines, like what's the personal and professional development and the lessons kind of within the stories themselves. And through all that writing and blogging and examining that topic and working on my skills, I noticed that what the audience came around for the most was my work on writing skills and email templates and LinkedIn profiles and these very practical step-by-step writing instruction. That's what people wanted the most, looking at my web traffic and seeing trends. So then I started to really pursue a niche and to say, I want to be the writing guy. I want to be a writing expert for business communication. And so I've spent the last year kind of pivoting and saying, I'm going to be this one thing. And so I wrote a book on the topic and I speak and lead workshops on the topic. And I've noticed that the more I focus on my niche and my specialty, the the further I'm going. Uh, well, thanks for that. Um, I, I do agree. Writing is becoming 
more and more important as a communication skill set to have. Yes. Um, and uh, what I, uh, yeah, definitely would like to expand on that in a bit. But before that, I would like to hear uh, a little bit, maybe what, maybe what, what is one thing about Virginia that a lot of people listening to this, including myself, don't know about? Um, okay, so Virginia is where the British first settled in uh, North America. So we have a colony called Jamestown. If you've ever heard of Jamestown, where it's the first English settlement in what would eventually become the United States. So Virginia has a lot of history with the founding of our country and so many milestone moments occurred in Virginia in the early goings of of the United States before it was the United States, when it was still a British colony. So I think, you know, that's historically what's relevant about Virginia. Now what's, you know, present day, Virginia sits just to the south of Washington, D.C., uh, Fairfax, which is uh, an area south of Washington, D.C., kind of like a suburb, is a huge um, technological center, lots of uh, defense contracting. Virginia is a major player in sort of defense and new technology, and there's a, just a huge business center around the nation's capital. I live three hours south of that in southeast Virginia, and I live near the ocean. And here we have the largest naval base in the world in Norfolk, Virginia Beach area, a huge military community. And we're known here for we have lots of, you know, aircraft carriers, fighter jets. A lot of the United States military is based here. And we often have giant aircraft carriers that deploy from here to go all over the world. So a huge part of our community and our economy is tied to the military. Wow, that, that's very, very interesting. Thanks for that. Um, I think this interview somehow, it, it's happenstance, but uh, it's very timely, right? You talked about the history of the U.S. Uh, July 4th uh, is, is around the corner when we are doing this interview. So it, it, it's, it's, I didn't plan this, but it just happened. So I feel... Uh, what we're discussing is very timely. Yes, I agree. Particularly, you know, July 4th, founding of our you know, Independence Day, and it means a lot to Virginia because we played such a huge role in how it all got started. That sounds great. So, Danny, as I was reading your bio and when you were talking about your experience, I'm, I'm very excited to learn more about writing skills um, I don't think it's something that is necessarily talked about a lot. Uh, I hear about public speaking skills, interview skills, speaking and all that, but writing. Yeah. So, so I wanted to ask you, uh, when you say, why is it imp- uh, important to have good writing skills? You raised a great point, and it's something that I've noticed. You know, I've been out in the space online, I've been blogging for several years now, and Writing skills are not a sexy topic. People don't like to discuss them. Most people aren't all that great at their writing or editing. Even people who are sort of career professionals or leadership gurus, they don't mess with the writing stuff because they'd rather talk about other sexier topics like leadership and professional development and branding. And what I've realized is Writing skills impact our lives 
from grade school through the rest of our careers. And what I've noticed with my book as I've been marketing my book over the past several months are the, the vast number of audiences that have responded to what I've created, which is a book of email templates for networking and the job search. Everyone from uh, high school educators to military educators to adult learning to uh, as people transition out of the military and need jobs. Uh, there's just startups and business incubators, alumni associations. Everyone knows that the better you write, the further you go. And that's what I've decided to take to heart. I'm going to teach people how to write well because I know that at the foundation of everything else they want to do in their careers, it comes down to how well they write. It comes down to writing with job applications, with PowerPoint presentations, with ebooks, with books, with memos, brochures, business cards, everything that you do in your career or in your education leading to a career, it comes down to how well you can write and how well you can put logic and your thought and your reason and your argument into words on the page. And it's difficult to do and it takes effort like anything else. And so I think for me, there's a huge opportunity and a huge gap in the market to provide this information. And I know that whomever I approach, whatever the group, whatever the age, what I offer is something that they need. I do agree. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a universal skill that helps you in all areas, whether you're looking for a job in your career, making presentations. However, it is not something people proactively seek to improve. Um, so same with myself. There has been a lot of emphasis. Any any self-help or personal development programs that you listen, it talks about communication, right? Speaking is yeah. more emphasized. Leadership is more emphasized. So I totally concur with uh, your comments on writing. Um, so the, the first question uh, comes to people's mind, and I'm, I'm just relating myself here, is uh, sure. I'm not a good writer. I don't have an English major. Yes. Um, how does... How, how I, the the thought that goes is uh, maybe I'm not a good writer. How does someone overcome that mental block? Well, it depends on what you're writing, and that's when you know mental blocks can come in. If it's a creative writing exercise, if it's writing about yourself, if it's writing to a, you know a presentation, an argument, an essay, the the blocks can come in different forms. I've tried to create very easy to follow editing instructions. And writing guides, either on my blog or, or in my book, where I'm helping people to edit themselves better so they're cutting out excess words and they're focusing the message with really easy sort of editing instruction. And also, when you think about writer's block, and people often struggle with how to talk about themselves, you know, in LinkedIn or in a app, job application, they don't like talking about themselves. It makes them uncomfortable. They're not sure how to do it. And the easiest way to overcome that, and I really push this strategy a lot in various writing scenarios is to tell stories about yourself. Tell stories of success. Impart to people where you struggled, where you had challenges and setbacks, and how you overcame them. Telling stories is a much more engaging way to explain your skills, to keep the employer's attention, and to talk about yourself. It does require a little bit of creative writing, 
but you're not writing a novel about yourself. Generally, I'm instructing people to tell stories in a single paragraph, like in a cover letter or in a reference letter, recommendation letter. I am instructing very brief, very to the point, beginning, middle, and end stories, and I instruct people on how to tell those stories, how to rely on important details like quantifying things and how much, how often, giving locations, giving people a little bit of a flavor of the story. And I think by giving that kind of concrete instruction and holding the reader's hand, per se, it allows them to not struggle as much because they have the instruction. They know the direction to go. They know how to do it. And to your earlier point, a lot of people tell you that communication skills are important, that networking is important. What they don't do is they show you what it should look like in real time. And so I've decided to go the other direction and only show you what it looks like in real time because I'm assuming you know that it's important to have, quote, good communication skills. Of course it is. That's so obvious. But what there's always a drop-off. People don't then connect you to say, here's what that instruction should look like for a networking email or informational interview email. This is what you should be writing. And that's where there's a big disconnect in the market. And that's what I'm trying to do. That makes total sense. So now that that's a good segue um, because most of the audience for this blog, Career Metas, they are more interested in topics such as job search, networking. Yeah. Um, so networking, you mentioned LinkedIn a couple of times. So LinkedIn is becoming, as, as everybody listening to this, myself, it's a great professional network. Yeah. Um, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think most people don't communicate well uh, on LinkedIn. And uh, what are your thoughts? Like, how, what, is the, what is the general consensus of people communicating on LinkedIn? Look, the same skills and strategies that I recommend for LinkedIn are the same for, for email. It's about when you want to use LinkedIn as a networking tool or a job search tool, how you describe yourself and how you describe others is the same no matter what the medium. And here's my point and what, what I really always try to stress with people. One is when you're trying to ask someone to network with you, meet for coffee, help connect you to somebody else, you need to recognize and validate that person's career and background and experience before you start talking about yourself and asking for favors. And by that, I mean you need to go to that person's website or blog, portfolio, whatever it is, and mention something they've done recently that stood out to you, something very specific from their website, a recent project they completed, uh, an award they received or their company received. You need to give the love before you get the love. And people often forget that. They just come in and, you know, with their hand out saying, can you help me? And you have to recognize other people's successes first before, and that's how you build relationships. You build trust and authenticity that way. And then on the flip side, I, too often people don't do a good job explaining their own careers. They don't tell you where they've worked. They don't give examples of what they've done. They don't give links to things they've accomplished. They just it's very bare bones, and it's hard for the person to understand who they're talking to. So I always try to encourage people to be more descriptive on how you reach out to other people and how you explain yourself. Whether it's LinkedIn or an email, the same rules apply. And when you do those two things, kind of like a yin and yang, where you're validating them and explaining yourself with more clarity, your email or your message is so much stronger, and it encourages the response much faster. 
Danny, as you were saying this, I was thinking, uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, I do get a lot of emails. I send emails. And I've got emails from uh, individuals that I have. I don't know very well asking for help. And you're correct. They guessed, get to the point asking for help. And sometimes there is no relevance. And to go back to your point, had they spent some time reviewing what I do, where I could fit in, um, I think most people are willing to help, provided they know if they can help properly. So I think uh, that brings up a good point. Most people do not do that. They do not really research the person. No. And uh, they do not even uh, connect with them properly. They just straight out ask for help. Right. And I just wrote on my blog this past week, actually, I called it the number one job interview mistake. And I said it's not being late and it's not dressing poorly. Those are bad. But the worst mistake you can make is to go into an interview or a networking situation with someone you want to impress or to gain, you know, add to your network and not have looked up their website and have no knowledge of what they are all about because it leaves you in a real deficit and vulnerable because in a job interview, the worst thing that can happen, and I've done it when I've interviewed people at our PR firm, is I say, have you checked out our website yet? And they say, oh, no, I, I meant to do that. When I leave here, I'll, I'll do it. I'm like, no, no, no. You should have done it before you walked in because you need to reference projects we've accomplished recently that stood out to you. Because when you can be really specific and say, I read about this particular project. I love what you guys did. It's an ego boost for us. It makes us feel better and that, like you actually mm -hmm. care. And not like we're just another company you're going to interview for and you didn't take the time to get to know us. So it's these little simple tactics. These are soft skills that before you have a big moment, a big interview, a big conversation, you better do your homework because people need to hear that you care what they're all about. And then they'll help you. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a wonderful segue into job search, right? interview skills, uh, it's all about communication, but ha take, spending that extra one hour researching on the company goes a long way. It also shows them that you're serious about this job, that you're not necessarily looking into, you're not, you're not that, uh, you're not necessarily going to take the, any, the first job that comes your way, but that you care about this company and you want to work for this company. Well, absolutely. You, it's it's a way to, to develop authenticity and trust. And when you come in there and you're very much focused on what the company is doing, look, you might want to work at this place. You should know what they do every day. And it allows you to separate yourself from the competition. In addition, I have on my website instructions on how to tell a story of success in the job interview. So when they ask you questions like, have you ever, you know, how have you, how do you handle challenging moments on the job or how do you work well on a team? Have some stories in the back of your mind or in a little bulleted notes on your lap where you can look and remind yourself, oh, I want to tell that story about how I had a challenging moment at a recent job or internship and I pushed through and found success. When you tell stories in the room, you're so much more memorable then if you just spoke in vague language about how great you are, the story will solidify that you really are that great and you'll leave the room and they'll never forget the story you told them. So it's about doing your research and telling stories. If you do those two things, you will, I can't say for certain you'll land the job, but I guarantee you will impress the employer. You mentioned stories a couple of times so far and yes. 
the question I, I have is, uh, I'm thinking to myself, like people l remember stories, right? People understand stories. It connects very well. Is there, do you have a, a formula or any type of a cheat sheet or ideas on how someone can create stories? Yes. It's on my website. It's in my book. What I ask people is, and it's very simple. Tell me, uh, think, think back to a time where you faced a challenge on the job or in a college club or internship when you pushed through and found success. It could be a single day. It could be over a period of time. Just think back to a tough time where you made it through. Everyone has those moments. When I ask this in a room like a, in a, uh, at a workshop, hands go up immediately. People can think right away of a time where they really had to dig in because they weren't sure if they were going to make it happen, and then they ultimately did. Those moments are the best marketing you will ever have in the job market or the types of stories that you'll ever have as a business owner trying to gain new clients because the story does all the selling for you. Nothing else you can say is up to the power of a great story. So it's very simple. Just brainstorm with yourself. Where was I? When was a tough moment on the job or at an internship where I found success? What happened? And then I give people the template, as I always do, of a beginning, middle, and end of how to tell that story in a single paragraph. And then the second paragraph is where you say, hi, my name is and I'd be a great fit for the blank job. Everyone else will do that line for the first paragraph. Hi, my name is. But you're starting with a story which catches everyone off guard. Plus, it's a great story they'll never forget. And then you say your name. It's a, it's a formula that it's uncommon, but I am trying to break the mold because I think cover letters are a broken strategy right now, and they need innovation. And this is, this is the way to innovate. Yeah, I definitely I agree with that because how do you stand out from the mold? I mean, from the crowd, right? Uh, everybody does the same thing. Uh, they have they practice questions. They have the same template for cover letters. That's right. When you do when you do what you're suggesting, when someone does what you're suggesting, automatically the the other person, the interviewer, is thinking, "Wow, this candidate is different." That's exactly right. The the story approach will catch them off guard, but it's not being different just to be different. It's very much a focused strategy. You're telling a story that highlights the types of soft skills and job skills and interpersonal skills that they want to hire. See, a lot of companies can hire and teach you technical skills. What they can't teach you and they, what they want to know you have are those soft skills, the determination, the motivation, the, the drive, the team building, the management, the leadership. All these intangible skills, they want to know you have them, and it does you no good to just tell somebody you have those skills because by just saying you're motivated and dedicated and driven, anyone can say that with no proof. The story is the proof. It allows you to demonstrate all of those skills that is listed without ever having to use those words because you're much more interesting when you tell a story about how you – demonstrated those attributes and that's why it's a better strategy yeah def uh, definitely that makes total sense um, since we are on the topic of interviews and job search of course you mentioned cover letters are very generic what about resumes in your in your experience you have looked at a lot of resumes 
what now we're talking about writing here right yep. uh what what do you, before we talk about a solution what are some of the things that you see danny that people are doing wrong oh where do i begin so first <laughs> of all objective statements here's my approach on objective statements if you're a recent graduate with no experience, don't do an objective statement. You have nothing to say. You don't have a sort of brand in your career yet. You haven't even started. So just start with your skills first, experience, education at the bottom. Okay, education at the bottom, even if you're a recent graduate, because where you went to school matters less. What you have done in your career or internships or clubs matters more. So those are a bunch of things right off the bat. When we talk about skills, oh, let me jump back. With objective statements, if you have work experience and you want to do an objective statement, it's, again, a waste of time to use words like dedicated, driven, motivated, because it means nothing. It's fluff. It's empty rhetoric. It will get you nowhere. What really matters is if you can quantify success. If you're a fundraiser, how much money have you raised? If you lead people, how many people are you in charge of? Giving some real tangible facts people can hold on to. That's what matters. That's what a good objective statement contains. And I have a template on my blog about how to write a better objective statement. We talk about the skills section, which every resume should have a skills section. Skills are not team leader, motivated, dedicated, driven, time management. That's all. It's a bunch of fluff. It doesn't matter. What matters is the software you know how to use, certifications that you have, languages you speak, very, very practical, very on the ground. Name, give me names of software, names of tools, names of things by name. That's what really matters. That's what I want to know. And do not say you know how to use Microsoft Office because everyone knows by now. And that's an, it, again, that's kind of fake that you know how to use Word and Excel. Big deal. That means nothing. So it's got to go beyond that. Do you know how to use – do you have like a really advanced knowledge of Excel? Then I would say that because some people know how to make a spreadsheet. Others know how to make you know, really detailed tables and formulas on Excel. So if you can take it to a deeper level, then yes. And when we talk about our experience, again, it's about quantifying success, leaning hard on numbers, giving people how much, how often, how many, not being vague. Be, trying to be very on the ground with it so people can understand the scope of things. If you say, and it, it works against you, if you say that you lead a large team of whatever, well, the reader might think, well, what is large to them? You're making them decide how large it is. Is large to them 10 people? Is it 10,000 people? How many people did you lead? You need to tell them exactly how many. Otherwise, they start to guess on what it is you meant. So I try to provide concrete instruction on how to make our resume very focused, detail-oriented, and remove all the fluff possible. Hmm. So if I, if I can summarize what he just said, uh, less fluffy words like dedicated, motivated, more concrete examples, yes. numbers, quantity, yes. uh, detail examples. The more detailed uh, details, the better. Okay. That's right. That's right. And again, education at the bottom. I don't care how old you are. Put it at the bottom. And can you clarify why is that? Because if let's say someone is a recent graduate, their majority of their career has been in education, right? So why would someone like that? I'm, I'm just out of curiosity. Yeah. Because the reality is when you're in the real world, 
most people applying for the jobs you want have gone to college. So it doesn't matter. And I hate to break it to people who, who even went to great colleges, Ivy League schools or, you know, top schools in Canada. It doesn't matter. What really matters is, first of all, look, your, your education's on your resume. It's not like you're not putting it there. But what matters more is the experience that you've had, the work that you've done, even in a club or in a volunteer capacity or at a part-time job, internship, whatever it is, that matters more than just where you graduated from college, okay? It just doesn't hit as hard. It doesn't have the same impact. So again, a way to differentiate yourself is to not do what everyone else does, which is to stick their education at the top as if that's the best thing they've ever done. The best thing that you've ever done are the jobs you've had. And I show you on my website and, and in the book how to make even the most mundane job seem really interesting. For example, I talk about, let's say somebody is a receptionist at a doctor's office. And on their resume, they say they answer phones, they sort the mail, you know, they manage schedules. That's what most people would say. They would just sort of bare bones, here's what I do. But what I would say to that person is, how many phone calls do you field in a week? How much mail do you sort through? How many schedules do you manage? And they'd say, oh, I, I, we probably in a given day, I handle like 50, 60 phone calls. Okay, well, that's more impressive than saying you just handle the phones. So we can always look at any job, even if we think it's boring or not interesting or not compelling to an employer. We details those numbers around it to make it stand out and, and almost look even better than a job that we would probably perceive as more important. Because if we really look at the details of the nitty-gritty of the job, we can find those little moments and those details. And that's what matters more than where you went to college. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. And I think it's important for anyone, uh, young professionals, new graduates, to listen to that. Um, it, it just Because I've seen that. The reason I brought that up question, question, Danny, is I see that all the time. There's a lot of emphasis on the education, less on experience. Yeah, so it's, that's it's, the uh, it's misguided. I mean, it's, it's all about the experience. I think you need to show you went to college for most jobs out there, unfortunately. I mean, that's just the world we live in. you got to show you went and graduated. I don't even care your GPA. You know, if you had a 4.0, I suppose as a recent grad, it's worth mentioning. A year out of school, I'd cut that out. Anything under a 4.0, I don't, wanna, I don't care. I don't want to see it. If you had a 3.1, don't tell me. Just show me you graduated and then tell me the jobs you've had. Tell me the work you've done. Show me how hard you've worked. That's what I want to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, thanks for clarifying again. The la One of the final things is email. And I think your book is about uh, yeah. email templates because email, let's face it, it's universal, right? Whether you're applying for a job, following up on a job, trying to reach a customer, email is email. It's not, there's so many modes of communication. Uh, so let me ask you the same similar question. Where do people go wrong in their email communication? Well, I think I've already highlighted some places where people go wrong. They, they, they come crashing in looking for help without validating the other person's success. They don't talk about themselves with enough detail. They don't link me to anything they've done. So I, all they, like a recent graduate will tell me, I just graduated from such and such university with a degree in public relations. Are you hiring? I know nothing about them. I know nothing about what they've done in class, any class projects, any personal uh, portfolios they've created. Nothing. I know nothing. And they've shown me they know nothing about me. So it feels like 
They sent the same email to 50 different companies, and I don't want to talk to that person. I, I'm too busy. We all are too busy for someone like that. So that is a major pitfall. Also, I do a lot with subject lines. As I said, I don't leave anybody hanging. I, I will walk you through every step of one of these critical emails. So I'm going to show you the subject line and what it could look like. I think a big way to get people's attention in subject lines is to be very specific with what you're asking for. And if you have a person in common that connects you to that would help to make the person trust you more, I'd put that person's name in the subject line so that they're going to open your email and right away feel like you have someone in common and they can sort of trust the source. So it's all about the details. The littlest details, the littlest words make the biggest difference. So I'm not advising people to write more. Quite the opposite. I'm asking them to write less. But what we do with those words is very strategic. And if you follow the guides I provide, it will help you to open doors more quickly. Thanks for those email tips. What I will also do is I'll add a summary of what we discussed. So I'll add a little bit more, uh, even a link to the book as well. Please. So yeah, definitely I'll do that because I've learned a lot, lot so far. Um, some exciting ideas, some different ways to think. Yeah. Now, after listening to this, Danny, if uh, people wanted to, uh, if the if anyone wanted to reach out to you to get more information, what is the best way to reach out to you? Sure, people can visit my website. It's dannyhrubin.com. That's D-A-N-N-Y-H as in Harry, R-U-B as in boy, I-N.com. You can contact me there. Also, you can download sample chapters from my book. I include how to reach out to alumni, how to write a, a strong objective statement, how to write a LinkedIn profile summary about yourself, how to ask for freelance opportunities. So several freebies that you can have based on these strategies I've been discussing. So you can have that and you can ask me any questions through the, my website. I always respond to people and I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for that. So before we conclude, the, uh, the final, final question, Danny, is before we conclude, do you have any last words? Of course. You know, I think that what I want people to understand is how critical it is the way we write in, in the world today. We are a very attention deficit starved society. We need messages succinct to the point. And if we cannot convey our experiences and our story through writing very well, then opportunities will pass us by. They just will. 500 applicants to a job, I guarantee the ones who get called back are the ones who could explain themselves the best on paper because that's your first impression. So I enc always encourage people to work on their writing a little bit every day. It's like of the playing the violin. It's like learning a language. It's the same thing. It's mastering a skill. And the better the writer you are, the further you will go. And the faster doors will open. It's just the way of the world. And I encourage people to visit my website and look at all the many blog posts that I have, which offer this concrete instruction, and take it to heart and understand that a bad writer is going to struggle in the business world. Yeah, Danny, thanks for summarizing that, right? And I think that's something, it's great that we started off with the importance of writing skills and we ended with that. 
just to reinforce the point, I totally agree. The more better you get at writing, the more opportunities open up for you. That's right. Uh, so, Danny, thank you very much. Thank you. you. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. We learned, I'm sure any, anybody listening to us learned a lot. Um, uh, during the, this, we are recording this during the July 4th weekend. So, happy July 4th. Thank you. And th- thanks. Uh, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks, folks, for listening to this episode of the Career Medis Podcast. I have written a brief summary of the interview with links to Danny Rubin's website and also the book that he has mentioned as part of a blog post of my, on, on my blog. If you liked what you heard, feel free to subscribe uh, to the Career Medis Podcast on iTunes. And for more content, ideas, tips, resources, go to careermedis.com. If you enjoyed the episode, and you learned something new, feel free to post a comment or review. And if you really loved it, definitely, definitely go ahead and share this episode. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmad, your host for the Career Medicine Podcast. Bye.